Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. The date is 28th May 1967. And it's a warm night in Manila, Philippines. And on this day at about 11.25pm at night, a garbage collector was making his rounds. He was making his way down Malabon Street clearing the cans. And he goes from trash can to trash can, he takes all the garbage bags, all the plastic bags filled with trash, and he throws it into the large garbage disposal truck. And in one garbage can, there is a bundle wrapped in newspapers. And it is a little bit unusual, but not out of the ordinary. So he takes it and throws it into the back of the garbage disposal truck. Now, what was unusual was the smell. And it was nothing that he had ever smelled before. This was incredibly suspicious. In fact, it was so strange that he thought that it might have been the smell of human flesh. Instead of moving on with his route, he returns back to the garbage disposal truck and he takes the package out of the truck and he calls a passing policeman. Captain Jose Salcido of Precinct 2 comes by and together they unwrap the package. The policeman and the garbage collector, they are looking at a pair of women's legs. The legs had been cut into four pieces, and each leg had been cut at the hip, then at the knee, and they were very obviously women's legs. They were slender and pale, and they belonged to somebody who was very fair-skinned. And the toes on these women's legs were pedicured. The legs were cold, as if they had just come out of a freezer, and they looked fresh, as if they had been butchered just recently. Hi, I'm Teddy and welcome to A Brief Case. Today, we're covering the case of Lucila Lalu, the first chop-chop lady of the Philippines. The chop-chop lady cases refer to a series of murders of women in the Philippines, where their bodies had been butchered and found in public spaces. Lucila Lalu was the first in that string of murders. Given that the case happened in the 1960s, we don't really have too much information about her childhood. We do know that in her late 20s, either 1957 or 1961, or maybe even somewhere in between, she moves from Kandaba to Manila for work and opportunity in the city. She gets police clearance to work as a waitress in the city, which I didn't know was necessary, but maybe it's because it's a night spot, and she starts working. It seems like it was a great financial move to go to Manila because she is incredibly professionally successful. 
She buys out the owners of the Pagoda Soda Fountain in somewhere called Rizal Avenue. And the Pagoda Soda Fountain was a cocktail lounge and restaurant, and her success was exponential. She earns enough money to open another business. She owns a beauty parlor. And now her business and professional life is generally doing really well. Her personal life is kind of messy, but she's exactly the kind of friend that I would have loved to have because, you know, she would spill everything. So now Lucy goes to the city and she gets herself a big city boyfriend. And her boyfriend just so happened to be a policeman. And her boyfriend's name was Aniano Divera. Or Divera. And it is assumed that at this point of time, she was about 28 years old. And at the point of time where this case happened, it's said that he was about 42 years old. So at least a decade older than her. And very quickly, she and Ananio move in together. And they have a son that she sent to be raised by her mother in another province. And honestly, if this was the end of it, it would have looked like she had a very successful personal and professional life. Except for the fact that he was already married. And the Philippines is a very conservative country and they are very Catholic. So I'm not sure if he he had a divorce or if he just left his wife and moved in with Lucila. But that was that and they had about a seven year relationship. Now, we don't know if Lucila was actually cheating on anyone when she got together with Aniano, but we also don't even know if she knew that he was married when they got together because this was so long ago and she isn't around to tell her side of the story. But what we do know is that at some point of time, she ends up dating someone else as well and she ends up being a sugar mummy and she dates one of the waiters from the Pagoda Soda Fountain and she doesn't just date him, she doesn't just hook up with him, she ends up paying for an apartment for him in the city. She ends up supporting him and he was 19 year old Florante Rilos. And Florante was quite a bit younger than her. So if he was 19, he would have been at least a decade younger than her. So definitely a little bit more of a boy toy, but we don't know the exact, exact ages. And what we do know is that Aniano eventually did find out about the little affair, about her little sugar mummy escapades. And so this love triangle was the state of Lucila's personal life when the dismembered legs were found on 28th of May 1967 by a garbage collector and then investigated by the police. Her legs were wrapped in newspapers and the newspapers were dated 14th of May 1967. And what is interesting is that a couple of days before the legs were found, the police also found a separate pair of dismembered hands, but it was confirmed that Lucila's legs and these random pair of hands were not belonging to the same person. Now, a day after finding her legs, they also find a torso, and they find that torso in an empty lot along Epifanio de Los Santos Avenue near Guadalupe Bridge and the police were able to match her legs and her torso and with her torso they were able to get fingerprints and identify her. Now what is a mystery is that we cannot confirm if her head has ever been found but I think it's not because there is no reference to it. 
Now the police have identified her and they start looking into her personal life. And for some reason, the police's first suspect was Florante, the 19-year-old boy toy, which is interesting because he would have the least motive because his lifestyle was being supported by her. She was his sugar mommy, she was his boss, so why would he kill his golden goose? Why would he kill his source of income? And back then, they were a little bit more liberal with the newspapers because apparently when he was arrested, there were already newspapers printing headlines such as Manila Police Department solves murder of dismembered girl. Now, Florante was arrested the day before 1st June 1967, so either 30th or 31st of May. And he was arrested at 3pm at the Pagoda Soda Fountain. He was in the mezzanine and when he was arrested, he was hella drunk. But then, when the police cross-referenced her suspected time of death with Florentine's schedule, he had an alibi and he even had two friends to back up his alibi. And what is kind of interesting is that Florentine's alibi was that he was on a drinking binge with two of these friends and so make of that what you will. But what is also interesting is when the police were like, okay, you're not the killer, I guess. You're free to go. Please get out of here. Florante was actually like, no, thank you. And if I go out, I will die. So now the police started looking around some more. And then they look at her baby daddy, the 42-year-old policeman, Ananio. And in the court of public opinion, people were like, oh my god, he totally killed her because he was so angry. In fact, Florante testified that once in the Pagoda Soda Fountain, Aniano had barged in, saw that Florante was all cuddly cuddly with Lucy, and then attacked him. It is also reported that Aniano had once barged into Lucy's beauty parlor and shot his gun three times. But then, when the police actually started investigating into him, there wasn't any actual physical or direct evidence linking him to the crime. Now, the police have ruled out her main lovers in this sordid little love triangle, and they continue investigating for a week, but they get nothing. There are also rumours of other lovers, but nothing super tangible, nothing solid. There is also a lot of contradicting witness statements, with some people saying that they saw three men dragging what looked like a body from her home, and then after that, after the time where this was reported, Ananio even being like, no, I saw Lucia at that point of time. And some people also said that Lucilla wanted to end her relationship with Florante, but Florante contradicted that and said that no, we were super in love. Now, because it doesn't seem like the police had any reliable witness statements, they had to look at physical evidence, which was the body. And the thing is that the cuts on Lucilla's body, on her legs and her torso, they were really clean. And if you are familiar with true crime, this is very reminiscent of the Black Dahlia case in the US, where the dissection of the victim was very precise. Now, the police looked at this and they inferred it could maybe be three or four options 
of who could have been skilled enough to butcher a human body in this manner. And on top of that, the person had to be smart, methodical, and some sort of professional, and of course they had to have access to a fridge or a freezer large enough to hold her body. Because when they took her legs out of the garbage, they were very cool, like they just came out of a freezer. So they thought that the murderer would have been either a butcher, a surgeon, a pre-med student, or anyone in a similar kind of industry. So for a while, they didn't have a real murder suspect until about 7.30am on 15th of June 1967, almost two weeks after the body was found. It is said that a 28-year-old dental student called Jose Luis Santiano he confesses the crime. Now, Jose wasn't just some random dental student. He was a boarder renting a room on the floor above Lucy's beauty parlor. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. And it's shortly after Jose's 28th birthday. He's not a bad looking dude. He's about 5'6". He's well-built, and most people consider him a catch. According to some sources, he also had a wife and kids, but that's not confirmed. And now this is how the confession went, according to the police. Now, according to the main man investigating this case, it was suspected that the killer would have some sort of medical or butchery experience, and they already kind of suspected him. The police are saying that they already kind of suspected him because he was a dental student and he would have had to learn how to cut things with precision. And now, so this policeman, he invites Jose with him for breakfast at the Aristocrat restaurant. And so they take a jeep to the restaurant. And in this jeep, the policeman says that Jose is already looking kind of stressed. And so Jose asks the policeman, Do you really think that I could have killed Lucila? And the policeman said, Yes, you could. And besides, you lied in last night's test. And then the policeman says that Jose turned really pale and then covered his face with both his hands and he stayed like that in the jeep until they got to the restaurant and when they were ordering breakfast, he ordered more bread and butter and after buttering his bread, he goes, I did it. And then he starts crying. And in his confession, he says this is how it went down. At about 11.30 at night, Lucila, she came up to his bedroom and tried to seduce him. She sat on his bed and started taking off her clothes. And then he said that he blacked out. And in this blackout, he said that he ended up strangling her for about 5 minutes until she died. And after that, he kind of regains consciousness when he's slicing her body with a kitchen knife. After that, he wrapped her legs with newspaper 
and then took a jeepney, which is a kind of semi-public transportation in the Philippines, and he dumps her legs in the garbage can. In this particular confession, there is not really any mention of him refrigerating the legs, only of him immediately dismembering it and then dumping it, but we'll get back to that later. And at this point of time, he's saying that the rest of her body was under his bed, and he goes back a little bit after midnight, he cuts off her head, places her head in a brown paper bag under the bed, and after that, Jose says that he wraps the rest of her body in newspaper, he ties her hands behind her back, and he puts the torso into a box. On May 29th, at about 9am, he takes the paper bag containing her head, and he throws it into a grassy area, but in some other accounts, it's also said that he might have thrown it into a creek. After getting rid of her head, he buys one kilogram of pork at the central market, he chops it up, fries it up, has his lunch, takes a nap until about 2pm, and it's a bit unhinged because in this version, his her body is still in the apartment in the room. And at about half an hour later, probably about 2.30, he goes to see a movie. We don't know what movie he sees. Then after that, he goes back to the beauty parlor after the movie, and at about 7pm, he takes the box with the torso out. And in this confession, he actually says that he meets Aniano, the baby daddy, and Lucila's brother, and he said that they didn't suspect anything at all, they didn't try to stop him, and he gets in a cab, and then he dumps the torso. So what is strange to me is that in this particular confession, there are actually a lot of things that I personally think shouldn't be too hard to verify, like a movie ticket, like the witnesses, Aniano and Lucila's brother, so it is a little bit strange to me. But then, a couple of days later, Jose, the gentle student, retracts his statement, saying that he was coerced into making this. And he does this in a newsroom full of reporters and his dad, who was a former police chief himself. So now, if Jose didn't kill Lucila, then who actually did? And in Jose's retraction, he says what actually happened. Jose says that at around 11.30 at night, he reached the beauty parlor. He goes upstairs to his room to change his clothes. He goes downstairs to wash his face. He goes upstairs to get his toothbrush. He goes down to brush his teeth. And after brushing his teeth, he goes back up, but then he goes back down again because he said that he had forgotten to unlock the main door to the parlor, which sounds a bit weird because surely you want the door locked at night, but I don't know. And then, so when he was on his way back down to lock the main door to, the, to unlock the main door to the parlor, he sees three men. And these three men, they were dragging Lucila upstairs to the mezzanine room. And in this version, they obviously see him as well. And one of them points a 38 revolver at him and tells him to go back to his room. And while he was in his bedroom with the man threatening him, he hears a scuffle followed by a girl moaning. So it's assumed that Lucila was killed in the bedroom next to him. And after which, they went out of the room, him and the guy threatening him, and Jose sees Lucila's body on the floor. 
two of the men, they carry her body downstairs and it's assumed that they dumped her into the car and that is the last he sees of her. The guy threatens him a little bit more and then leaves at around 2.30am. So this whole thing happens over three hours. The dude also tells him that somebody is going to come back at 7.30am the next day. And at 7.30am the next day, a whole other man, not any of the three original men, and he threatens him, he threatens Jose, this, this random man, to keep silent. And he also sprinkles some blood on the mezzanine room and on the bed. And again... When he is asked, when Jose is asked, well, if it was somebody else, if it was three other people, why on earth would you make the confession that you did? And he said that he was coerced by the police. And his dad, who was also a former police chief, was like, yeah, my son was totally coerced. There was also a mystery witness, a doctor, Nora Ibio, who backed their claims. And depending on where you're researching this case, it's also said that they didn't even really check Jose's room. And when they did, it looked like A, the door was forced open, they found blood stains on the floor, they found a kitchen knife, a razor blade, and women's stockings. When reading this statement, there's two ways to interpret this. A, either that Jose is actually the killer, or B, it looks like somebody very obviously planted everything. But that's just like all speculation. But even after this, even after the retraction, even after investigating into the scene of the crime, the police remain very adamant that Jose was the killer and that they said that they had new evidence that pointed to him as the killer of Lucila. Interestingly enough, I don't think this actually went anywhere because when you research into this case, it's still considered open and unsolved. Now, there were a couple more suspects that were dragged in the newspapers, which in many people's defense, the newspapers back then were very tabloidy. So let's do a quick recap. We have the baby daddy, the main boyfriend, the older policeman, Aniano. We have a second boyfriend, the much younger sugar baby, Florante. We have the dental student that she allegedly tried to seduce, but maybe not. And then we have two more. The less interesting one is a marketing executive who remains unnamed that she may or may not have had a thing with. We don't really know much about that, but there is a more interesting one. Now, there is an American physician, an American doctor by the name of George Hodel. And now, George had a whole bunch of really nasty accusations against him in his life, one of which was that he was a suspect in the murder of Elizabeth Short, the original Black Dahlia. Now, Elizabeth Short was killed and then butchered in a way that seemed very medically precise. She was severed at her waist, her body was drained of blood, which is a very difficult thing to do, and her face had been slashed from her mouth to her ears like the Joker. She had cuts on her thighs and on her breasts, and her body was cut in half, and so the other half of her body was positioned not too far away. Her intestines were tucked under her. She had basically been posed, and it was just a very grotesque murder. And so George Hodel was one of the suspects for this brutal crime. And in his life, he was also accused but then acquitted of raping his own daughter. Now, after his death, his son actually started looking into him. 
And his son isn't just some random, his son is actually a former LAPD homicide detective. So he does this as a job. The more he investigated into his father, the more he felt that his father was a suspect for the Black Dahlia murder. And investigating his father's life, he also realized that his father did spend some time in the Philippines in the 50s to the 60s, which would have coincided with the time that Lucila was killed. And the way that Lucila was killed would have been similar to Elizabeth Short. But as always, with cases that are so old that happened so long ago, it is difficult to verify any of these suspects or theories, so you know, you should take everything with a grain of salt. And until today, the murder of Lucila Lalu, the first chop-chop lady of the Philippines, remains unsolved. Now, this is still an incredibly mysterious and well-known case in the Philippines, and I'm very certain that if you speak to older Filipinos especially, they will have their own opinions on who the killer was. But I think we can just be a little bit mindful that like nobody has been found guilty officially. Uh, if you are Pinoy or just generally after listening to this case, I am very interested to hear what most people think and who most people think is guilty of this. Now, when researching into this case, there were just a lot of little short blurbs everywhere, really short summaries on what happened. But the main sources that I found was video48.blogspot.com, which had a lot of archived newspaper articles going into details about this particular case and the Esquire article on this case. And I think without these, it would have been really a much shorter episode. So happy 2024 to everyone. This is our first real episode of the year. Now, if you have any recommendations, because we are doing the planning for 2024, you can always reach out at A Briefcase Podcast on Instagram. And do join us next week for another briefcase. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com.